If you have your Bibles, you can turn your Bibles with us to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. We're going to read several scriptures out of Colossians. As most of you know, we've been on the subject of relationships. Relationships. Three things that we found out, of course, more things than that, but at least three things we found out that, uh, number one, you've got to have the right relationship in order to worship as we should worship. The rod of Matthew says if you bring your gift to the altar and you find out someone has an ought against you, to take, leave your gift there and go and make it right and have the right kind of relationship before you worship. Isn't that good? Have the right, let me ask you something. What kind of relationship do you have with your wife, your husband, your sons, your daughters, mom, dad, your coworker, brother and sister in the church? What kind of relationship do you have? So number one, we must have the right kind of relationship to be able to worship as we should. Number two, he also says that if a uh, husband and wife have a dispute and they don't make things right, that their prayers certainly will be hindered. So if you and your wife had a, an argument this past week and you've not, not made things right, it's kind of hard to pray. And uh, so I would encourage you to do that, to make things right. And then we find out that the Apostle Paul was in a town or a city called Troas. And in this particular city, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord. There was a great revival and people were being saved and some manifestation of the power of God was going on. And yet Paul closed down that revival to leave and find Timothy to find out what kind of relationship was going on between he and the church at Corinth. There had been some problems. There had been some isms and schisms and some disagreements. And so Paul closed this uh, revival down where there was a great things happening simply to make things right, to make things right, to have the right kind of relationship with the people, the church at Corinth, before he would continue that revival. So the relationship, the right kind of relationship takes place before worship. The right kind of relationship takes place before work. And the right kind of relationship must be there in order for our prayers not to certainly be hindered. Last Sunday we talked about Paul's relationships. We mentioned eight people. Eight individuals that he had a relationship with. Some were good. Most were good. Some not necessarily that good. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And then John Mark walked off and left him. eventually came back. But one of those particular uh, individuals uh, was Epaphras. A man by the name of Epaphras. I want to read some, if you will, Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And then we find in uh, Colossians chapter 4, let's read two verses in chapter 4. Stay in the same book, but Colossians chapter 4. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ... Greet you always, laboring fervently for you in what? 
prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness. Paul's bearing witness to this man, Epaphras. I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Do we have that map? There's a map that I want us to see, if you will. Uh, But I want us to talk, if you will, about this man, Epaphras. He He was the founder of the church at Colossae. The Colossian church, he founded that church. And uh, there were some problems in the church. Paul had never, Paul wrote this book, of course, the Colossian book, but he had never been there. But Epaphras came while Paul was in prison to visit him in prison in Rome. I think there's about 1,200 miles difference between uh, Colossae and, and Rome where Paul was, but he went to report to, to him about uh, what was happening in the church. And Paul loved this man. He was just a great prayer warrior. He was a great pastor. He really loved the people. But if you notice in the scripture I just read, I read Laodicea and, and Hierapolis, and you notice there, there is Colossae. Well, Epaphras was concerned about this, what is called the Lysias River and the Lysias Valley. This whole area, uh, Meander River that ran there and, and, and other. But, but he was concerned about this whole area. And the reason that I wanted to, to have the map up and to mention that is because I, just, I don't just pastor a one church. We are not just part of just Bethel Christian Center in Durham and that's it. But we all are one church. Whether it's uh, Rose of Sharon Baptist Church or Mount Bethel Presbyterian Church, or whether it's cross town, whatever church. If if you don't pray for all of the whole city and the whole county of Durham and the whole triangle area, I feel like you missed something. Because he was pastor and influence in that whole valley. And I believe this morning that you and I should be concerned, have a burden, pray work for this whole city and the whole county. As most of you know, I belong to a group of ministers, about 40 ministers, that we meet every Tuesday morning at Day Spring Church. And uh, we've been praying there for 18 years. There's about 40. Usually there's about 20 on uh, one given Sunday, uh, one given Tuesday. And this past Tuesday, we left. Every third Tuesday, we leave the church, we pray for 30 minutes. We meet every Tuesday at 9.30, pray the 10.30. We pray one hour every Tuesday morning and have, as I said, been doing that for 18 years. But every third Tuesday, we do what we call prayer walking. And this past Tuesday, we went over to at uh, 55 and, and 40 at La Quinta Hotel. And there was about 15 of us that gathered there 
and we joined hands and prayed. He said, why did you go to to that particular place? Because there was a cab driver that was killed right under the shelter of that motel. And when there is a murder, when there are an activity of gang activity or prostitution or whatever, we go pray there. We believe God, that God, and, and, and it, it's just a great time for the church. Now, I'm not talking about one church. I'm talking about the church as a whole to gather and pray together. And then we, now we have schedule. We've started scheduling this year. As you know, we have new city council members. We're going to be praying with Councilwoman Johnson. Uh, next uh, in August, the third Tuesday in August, and we're going to be praying with these uh, council members. We go to their office and we pray with them. So I wanted to do this because I want us to be concerned more uh, about what's happening in Durham other than just in our church. Is that okay? Because God put us here to pray for this city, to bless this city, and to speak well of Durham. Not negative, but, but speak well of Durham. We meet with the mayor, we meet with the city manager, meet, we meet with Duke officials, we meet with uh, centrals, uh, uh, leaders and teachers, and uh, all. we just meet with so many people. And I want us to be concerned, and Epaphras... Was He was concerned about not just the church there in Colossae. He was concerned about all of these places and all of these church, churches. I'll probably be, be a little redundant here with what I'm fixing to do, if you will. Look at the introduction. If you don't have an outline of the message, please raise your hand. I want you to have one. If you do not have an outline, I hope we, yeah, we have one. Uh, so we'll just... Uh, You don't have an outline, Brother Jane, Sister Carol, right next to you. She don't have, anybody else don't have an outline? Anybody else don't have an Okay, read with me. Epaphras was from Colossae. His name is mentioned only three times in the Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. And he's also mentioned in the book of Philemon. In verse 23, from these verses and the historical geography of the Lycius Valley, we can glean hints about this man with a reputation for praying for specific needs in the churches where he ministered. Colossae was located in the Lycius Valley. This valley was situated, and I just showed it to you, on a very strategic road that went from Ephesus to the Aegean Sea eastward to Syria. It is located at the eastern end of Meander, or of the Meander River. Within this valley, there are two other major cities, the city of Laodicea and the city of Hierapolis within the region of Phrygia. So again, this is where he is from and this is what he is praying for. And I want us to get a glimpse. I think, notice the head, the, the outline uh, head that we have. Epaphras, an example to follow. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. Who are you impressed with? Who are your heroes? Is it athletes? Is it Hollywood? Is it some unscrupulous politician? Who are our heroes today? Who, do, who, do the, who does the world honor today? Think about that. Well, 
These are unsung heroes that we can learn so much from their lives and so much about them. Uh, Nothing is more vital than a people that will come together, unite together, and pray together. And we're going to be looking, I guess, mainly at prayer today because this was a giant prayer warrior, Epaphras was. Four descriptions of him. Notice, first of all, he is called our dear fellow servant. He was not just a servant. He was a fellow servant. Second of all, he is called a faithful minister. Thirdly, he is called a bondservant of Christ. And then number four, Paul says, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ. This is found in the book of Philemon. And apparently uh, Epaphras was put in prison along with the apostle Paul. And it doesn't state why he was a fellow prisoner of the apostle Paul. Notice Roman numeral number two, a minister of the gospel of Christ. He was constant and unconditionally telling about this person, Jesus Christ. He was sold out to the Lord, a minister of the gospel of Christ. Number two, not only was he a minister of the gospel, he was a teacher because the scripture says that I just read into your hearing in verse seven, that the church, that the people learn something. You see, I just don't want to inform you today. We can be informed, but I want us to be transformed. I want us to learn something. I don't want our mind to wander and count the blocks on the side of the wall and the lights in the ceiling and think about what we've got to do after the service. I want us to listen. I want it to, I want it to penetrate into our hearts and let it transform us, change us because the power of God and the word of God to do that. It will change our life. They learned. Uh, I believe not only did they learn from Epaphras is teaching, but they learn from his life as an example. And you know, that's the best way to teach. We expect our children to obey what we say, but how about our lifestyle? How about the way that we live? Do we say one thing and live another? Epaphras was a man that he preached, that he, he, he taught, but he also practiced what he taught. He was a devoted, he was devoted rather to the Colossians. In fact, in verse seven, he says on your behalf, expending himself for them, not necessarily for himself. I wonder how many believers, how many preachers, how many people that work for the kingdom of God. I wonder how many are really doing it for people. Do we care for the church? Do we care for those that are hurting? Do we pray and fast and believe for those that are lost? You see, Epaphras was concerned about that church. Do we fold our Bibles and our hymn books and our whatever and walk out on Sunday morning and forget the church? Or is the church during the week on our minds? Do we pray for brothers and sisters? An elderly pastor was noticed in the, in, in the community one day as 
on Saturday, he would leave and he would go to his church. Every Saturday, he'd leave and go to his church. And he'd spend hours in the church. They noticed him going. So a curious neighbor wanted to see what he was doing. So he went after the pastor went into the church. He peeked in the window to see what was going on. And this pastor was kneeling at every pew. And he'd pray. And he'd call that, every person that sat on that pew, every family member, he'd call their name before the Lord. And when he finished praying for that family, he'd get up from that pew and go to another pew. And he'd pray. And he spent hours and hours in prayer. I wonder, are we like Epaphras? Are we concerned and pray certainly for the church? He was not only devoted to the Colossian people, but he was a bond Slave. He considered it a blessing. He considered it an honor to be owned by Jesus Christ. We either serve sin and the devil or we serve Jesus Christ. Someone says, I don't want to serve anybody. We're going to serve one or the other. But I'm not a slave to sin. Always we are. Unless we are bound to him. Unless Jesus Christ is our master, then the devil is our master. We may not realize it, but sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. We're either one or the other. Epaphras was a committed intercessor. In other words, I believe prayer connects us to God. Prayer is, a, prayer is a conversation not only between us and God, but from God to us. God speaks to us. He was a great intercessor. I've noticed over the years in my pastorate that some of the people that the enemy will fight the most is those that have set themselves aside and those that God has called to be intercessors. The church needs intercessors. Our missionary in India, Moses Chowdhury just ministered to over a hundred thousand people. Somebody spent time in prayer. Somebody was on their knees believing God before that meeting ever came to pass. There's, there's some great ministers that I've known. And before they'd go into a city and they've preached, Reinhard Bonnke, that has preached to millions and millions of people, especially overseas, especially in Africa. And before he goes, he sends a prayer team into that city and spends weeks and weeks in that city. Praying. Epaphras was an intercessor. Are you an intercessor? Do you pray? I couldn't help but appreciate the prayer room this morning. It, it, it sounded, oh, it sounded like a, a 18-wheeler in there. I mean, the voices was being raised, and it sounded so good. It felt so good. It was wonderful to hear the church crying out to God. That's the only way our nation is going to make it. That's the only way our church is going to make it. If we get on our knees and cry out to God and believe God, ask God, pray to God. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. 
to cry. Epaphras was a man that interceded. Look at number three. He was a man who prayed fervently. Again, he was a giant in prayer. He prayed persistently. He always, the Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 4. Listen, he always prayed. Let me ask you something. Have you prayed for something over and over and over again and it didn't happen? Don't stop praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. In Newburn, North Carolina, I was preached a, a revival there. and I was standing at the back of the church. And this lady, this elderly lady came out. And, and she shook my hand. And next to her was her husband. And he had just gotten saved. She said, uh, Pastor or Brother Westbrook, she says, I prayed for my husband for 30 years before he ever surrendered his life to the Lord. But the Lord wonderfully saved him. Jacob wrestled in prayer. He wrestled. And that's really what praying is. It's wrestling. It's intense. And sometimes we pray quietly. You know, the little boy, his mother asked him to pray a silent prayer. And he bowed his head. And he bowed his head. And it stayed bowed. And it stayed bowed. And it stayed bowed. And finally, he lifted up his head. His mother said, what did you pray about? He said, I don't know. It was a silent prayer. Sometimes we pray silently. Sometimes we pray audibly. Sometimes we lift our voices. Sometimes we weep. And the Bible is filled with emotional praying, calling out to God, praying and believing God. He prayed persistently. He prayed personally. Do you pray for your children? Do you pray for your grandchildren? Do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray for your president, the president of the United States? Do you pray for your mayor, your governor? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters? Do we pray specifically? Call their names before the Lord. This is what, this is what Epaphras did. He prayed not only persistently, he prayed personally. Let me tell you who else is praying for you. Can I tell you who's praying for you? The Bible says that Jesus is forever making intercession for his people. Did you know Jesus is praying for you? Oh, it makes me feel good. The God of heaven, the God of the universe intercedes for me. You say, how does he intercede for everybody? He's God. And he can do that. He can intercede for everybody. The billions of people. He can intercede for them just like I can intercede for one person. But he intercedes for us. He prayed persistently. He prayed personally. He prayed practically. He prayed specifically. And we need to get down the business when it comes to praying specifically. He prayed passionately, fervently. Listen, listen. The Bible says... In, in Luke 18 and 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Then he says in Romans 8, 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who is also makes, who also makes intercession for us. I love that. 
And then James, I want to read the Amplified if you allow me. Listen to this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your faults, your step, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heart, the heart felt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Somebody say amen. amen. A fervent, heated prayer. God, give us a church. Give us moms and dads that know how to stay on their knees and pray until God intervenes, until God moves. He prayed passionately. Let me end this sermon by going to Roman numeral number four, heartfelt prayers. There's not a one of us that could not quote probably this verse of scripture. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 4. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves and what? Pray. And then it says and seek his face. You'd think if he said pray and seek his face, that would be. A little redundant. It's not. Prayer is one thing. Seeking the face of God is seeking the presence of God. Seeking the manifested presence of God. Are you listening? My people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. That's four things that we're to do. We're to humble ourselves. We're to pray. We're to seek his face. And we are to turn from our wicked ways. God wants us to do that. Then he'll do three things. Listen at me. Three things. He said, I'll hear you. Now the devil tells you sometimes God hadn't heard you. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and you hadn't gotten an answer and God hasn't heard you. Let me tell you, you never pray a prayer that it falls to the ground that God in heaven doesn't hear. Now, he may not answer it the way you want him to. He certainly doesn't answer the way I want him to. I want him to do it right now. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. God, that needs to be done. And I will heal their land. We're challenged from the word of God to pray. And then most of us remember the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. Now Jabez was more honorable. This is in the Old Testament. First Chronicles chapter 4 verse 9 and verse 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying because I bore him in pain. He started out in a bad way. Negative, but he didn't accept the negative part of his life. You may, you may have been said, "Hey, you'll never amount to anything." The devil may tell you, "You're nothing. You're a nobody. You can't do this. You can't do the other. You have shortcomings here. You've sinned here. You've fallen here. You've come short here." But this is a Jabez. Maybe you're a Jabez. Listen to this. And Jabez called. On the God of Israel saying, oh, that you, now, this, now if you study this, he shouts it out. He didn't say, now Lord. He shouts this out. Listen to what he says. 
He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Wow. That almost makes my britchy legs come up automatically. I just love that prayer. It's a powerful prayer. And we got it on the screen. Can we go back to it one more time? Say it with me. Say it with me. Here we go. Let's go. We got. Here we go. Okay. Pray. Read this two verses with me. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying because I bore him in pain. Here we go. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, now say it loud. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may call not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Wow. Hallelujah. God knew how to bless him, but he knew how to pray. Amen. You remember the story in the New Testament when Peter was put in prison? I love this story. Peter was put in prison. They want to kill him. They just killed James. And they were going to kill him. But you know what happened to him? An angel. You say, Pastor, I don't believe all that stuff. I do. I believe in angels. I have goodness and mercy that follow me all the days of my life. I have angels watching over me. You better believe in them. You may need them one of these days. But an angel went into that cell. It was locked. Peter was in stocks. He was in bondage. And bang, they fell off. And an angel tapped. Peter was asleep. Now, he wasn't worried. James just lost his head. And Peter was in prison. And he's asleep. Angel tapping on the, on the shoulder and said, come on, Peter, we're getting out of here. And they walked right through the, the bars. They walked right through the, I guess, I don't know if it said the doors open. I don't think the doors open. He walked out of that jail and left. You say, Wow. Wow, but you you got to read further. It says, before the angel came, the church prayed night and day. You see, before the angel, there was prayer. You want an angel to come? Pray. You want deliverance? Pray. You say, I'm waiting for the pastor to pray. You pray. Let's all pray. Let's all believe God. Let's all get in the prayer room next Sunday morning and have to move somebody out of the way so we can get on our knees and pray. What would happen if all of us would begin to pray and believe God as we should? A revival would break out not only in this church, it would break out in this city. Jabez knew how to pray. And then we have an urgent prayer. Matthew chapter 14 verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, this is a story of, of Jesus walking on the water. And he comes to his disciples, which are in the boat. 
at the middle, at midnight, it was dark. The wind was so strong and the waves was lapping over into the boat and they were so afraid and they look out and they see this figure walking on the water and say, my God, that's a ghost. I don't know. I don't know. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, boys. It's me. It's Jesus. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Now, I don't know if Peter even thought he'd say come or not, because can you imagine getting out of a boat, stepping on water? I mean, we need, we, we, we need to have faith, folks. You can't walk on the water till you get out of the boat. You want to walk on water? And I'm not talking about literally walking on water. I'm talking about having faith in God to do some great things. Peter stepped out of the boat, walked on the water. And boy, he was really, he was the only one in the boat that walked on water. But he was walking on water. And the Bible said he got his eyes on the waves. And he got to looking at the storm. How it was, And he just lost his faith. And he started sinking. Now let me say something about that. I don't. He was so. Can you imagine. Can you imagine how frightened he was. He was going to drown. He was sinking. I don't think he said. Now Jesus. You come over here and help me now. My God, help me, Jesus. I think he got excited. It's okay to get excited, folks. I think he raised his voice. In fact, if you look at it, there's an exclamation point after that. When, when, he, when he says here, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. What if the church got excited about the things of God until they cried out like Peter cried out, Lord, save me. What if we had people bound and hooked on drugs would cry out to God and say, Lord, save me. What if we had people that was hooked on on alcohol? Those swimmers that went down the, what is it, Rio, and, 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 and did all kinds of stuff and embarrassed America. You know what they were? They were drunk. These people says alcohol is okay, okay. You get yourself in a you get yourself in a pickle. I know what alcohol will do to you. But can you imagine people that's hooked on drugs, people that is bound that, that are bound by sin, if they'll start and say it, Lord, save me. There's not a person here today that if you recognize that you need Jesus Christ and come to this altar, you say, Pastor, I've got to cry and holler. No. But you've got to be sincere. They don't hurt. It don't hurt to cry out to God. Peter cried out to God. Listen to this, and I'm closing. Luke 18, 38, 42. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. This was a blind man that had sat by the wayside year after year after year after year after year. And Jesus came by his town for the last time. He was on his way to be crucified. 
Now, I don't know that this blind man knew this was his last chance. I don't know that. I just know one thing. He knew he was desperate. And he knew this man had the power to heal him. And Jesus, with his entourage, passed by. And I could see this blind man as he hears the crowd, as the noise becomes less and less, becoming very faint. He's thinking to himself, if I don't get it now, I won't get it. If he don't help me now, I'll be blind the rest of my life. And he cried out. He cried out and he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Well, those around him said, hey, be quiet. You see, if you're not blind, you're not desperate. Those people that tried to quieten the blind man, they weren't blind and they weren't desperate. But he was blind and he was desperate. And he wasn't about to quit. He he cried out with a loud voice, Jesus, have mercy on me. And they said, be quiet, Leave, leave him alone. And he cried out the more. When the devil tells you to be quiet, when the devil tells you to stop praying, when the devil says there's no use, when the devil tries to say, you can stay home today, you don't have to go to church, you don't have to go witness, and you don't have to pray, you don't have to uh, love the Lord with your tithe and offer, you don't have to do these things, just do it more. You keep on, devil, you, you try to stop me from giving $10, I'm going to give 20 Listen, we need not let the enemy stop us from obeying God. And of course, you know the story how the blind man cried out to him. And then, of course, the great prayer of Psalms 51. I want to encourage you to go home this week sometime and read Psalms 51. Most of us know the story of King David, the king of Israel, how he disobeyed God, how he committed sin. And yet he came to the Lord and he prayed this Psalms 51. It's one of the greatest greatest writings in the world. No matter the writer. It's one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. How that he cried out to God, cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me with hyssop. Forgive me, Lord. What a man and what a man of prayer. And then many of us went to see the war rooms. War room. You go see the war room. Miss Clara. Well, there's a couple in in this movie. It's a movie just... Came out just, what, a year, couple of years ago or so. There was a couple in the movie that they were having marital problems and they were about to break up. And, of course, there was this precious lady that knew the worth of prayer. And she got the wife to start praying and get her a war room. But Miss Clara spent hours and hours on her knees talking to God. Now, I know this was a movie. I have met some of these actors. But they, they, they love God. These actors that played in them. I'm not saying all of them, but most of them were Christians and really loved God. It may have been a movie, but it's, it's reality, folks. If you're having problems in your home, in your marriage, if you're struggling in some areas in your life, find you a place to pray. The Bible calls it the secret closet or the closet. 
And then I'll end this by talking about a man that is so impressive to me. One of the most interesting and inspiring men I have read about is John Hyde. Listen to me. Brother Matt, if you'll get ready to sing Majesty. One of the most interesting and inspiring men I have read about is John Hyde. The son of a Presbyterian minister. He served God in India as a missionary. The people of India called him the man who never sleeps. Because of the many hours he spent in prayer. He earned the nickname, and you've heard it, Pray and Hide. In 1908, at a convention in Calcutta, John Hyde dared to pray what many of his convention, many at the convention felt was an impossible request. He prayed that in the coming year there would be one soul saved every day in India. By the way, Moses Chowdhury, I just mentioned him. I've been to India and seen the devastation there in that country. And seen the bondage of sin in that country. Moses Chowdhury just held a meeting with over 100,000 people. And this is where John Hyde was in Calcutta, India. When they gathered at the next year's convention, he had prayed more than 400 into God's kingdom. He doubled his goal to win two souls a day over the next year. 800 conversions were recorded that year. They said it couldn't be done. At the 1910 convention, Hyde revealed that he was doubling his goal for the next year. Four souls a day. He cried out to God. Give me souls, O God, or I die. If on any day four people were not saved, Hyde said there would be such a weight on his heart that he could not eat or sleep until he prayed through to victory. God continued to hear and answer his prayers, and the number of converts continually grew. And you ought to, you ought to Google this. You ought to Google this revival. Before his death, he would see a mighty revival sweep through India. They called him praying hide. He would spend hours. They said he never slept, of course, very little, because he was a man of prayer. John Hyde, great man of prayer, giant in prayer. He died at 47 years old. He gave his life for thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands in the nation of India. But he was able to do it because he called on God. We're here to worship the Lord today. And I've quit. I'm going to quit now a little early. Because I want you to sing this song and worship Jesus. Before we start it, may we bow our heads. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the example that we have. Epaphras, this great man of God. I pray that we would follow in his footsteps. That we could be called a fellow servant. A faithful minister of Jesus Christ. That we would be a bond servant. A fellow prisoner. Not afraid to suffer for the kingdom. 
not afraid to sacrifice for the kingdom. Help us all, not just the preacher behind the pulpit, but help us all to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to be devoted to the call that you've placed upon our lives. And Father, I pray that you would speak to several here and call them to a time of intercession. Give us more intercessors, dear God. We pray, God, for all of our intercessors, those that know how to pray for others, that intercede for the church, intercede for others with a burden, a concern, with weeping. God, give us some intercessors today. Move us to the point that we'll push back our plates, cut off our favorite television program, turn off our cell phones, close down Lord, our computers, get on our knees and communicate with you and you communicate with us. Speak to hearts here today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?